Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Again, to say hello to the Hub and uh, need to inform all of us, we are still looking, not for church staff, but for Singapore's brainiest Methodist. Any takers? Question. For every frontline troop or trooper, soldier, sailor, pilot, how many behind-the-line support personnel are needed? Any try? Any students of military history? What? Three? Okay, actually it's a trick question. Sorry. The only correct answer is it depends. Now this is, because it's complicated. It's nothing to do with the movie or the song. <coughs> it's real life. Because it depends on how many variables, for example, what is front line, what is behind the lines, how far did it extend. You may wonder, why am I telling you this, what may be called long grandmother story? Well, I've been watching a series on cable called The Color of War. Anybody? I knew I was unique. Oh, someone person, even watching, so you can testify. Regular or just by chance. Like this, uh, I'm dedicated. Record every episode. Okay, I've watched all 15. Yesterday was the last one. Anyway, <clears throat> one episode, uh, it's about US forces in World War Two. One episode highlighted this particular subject, and... The answer given was, and, and ranged from uh, 1 to 8 in the European theatre to 1 to 16 in the Pacific theatre. I always thought it was only 1 to 3 or 5, 3 to 5. So, I consulted our resident military historian. Do you know who that is? Chiang Mingshun, yes. Um, besides being TTC lecturer... He's actually a published scholar in military history, in case you don't know. Yeah. So I asked him, he said, up to 20. Wow, I didn't know that. But why is this so important? Well, first, for, um, I, I just need to say, firstly, that some of you know I've made a pledge or promise to God, whatever you want to call it, to preach on full-time Christian ministry once a year. So this is it. Secondly, it seems to me there are some parallels in this frontline, behind-the-lines issue between armed forces or war and full-time Christian ministry. You can call it an analogy. Okay, one caveat. In, every, in, in one sense, every Christian is frontline because the Bible says that all of us are involved in spiritual conflict. But in another sense, we can also understandably see that full-time ministry as the front line, and which also needs behind-the-line support personnel. That means the rest of the church. And such support, <clears throat> in a Christian sense, must include things like prayer, finance, encouragement, friendship, organizational structures, and so on. And of course, prayer is the most important the army an army marches on its stomach. Who said that? 
obviously there are no students of military history here. Well, it's attributed to either Napoleon or Frederick the Gate. Doesn't make any difference. Uh, people accept that. If that is the case, prayer is the equivalent in the church. But we need to ask, how do we know who does what? Who is front line and who is behind the lines? In particular, it seems to me that this depends on what we call our calling. Or to be more precise, callings, which is the title of our sermon. But firstly, we need to reiterate, <clears throat> all of us are called in one way or another. And calling is not just for full-time ministry. Full-time ministry is not a higher calling. It's just different. Full-time ministry calling is not higher than the calling to be in education, to be a housewife or now even a house husband, in the armed forces, in medicine and health, administration, etc., etc., etc. The only higher calling I know is when you meet your maker. That means when you die. So if you think that you have a higher calling, especially if you're a pastor, then you're most welcome to that higher calling and see you when we get there. So if we are, or we have, all of us have callings, it is crucial to respond correctly to our different callings. It is crucial to respond correctly to our different callings. I hope you recall, last month I shared about bringing people to Jesus um, and about what I learned in Sunday school, especially the story of the paralytic whose friends brought him for healing. And the response was very good. Uh, Alpha people are very happy. So I'm going to share another story I learned in Sunday school. And uh, this is the calling of Samuel the boy. And as I found out, they still teach this story in children's ministry as well. This is one of the most definitive calling stories in the Bible. So let's listen to it in the English Standard Version. Will you now hear the Word of God? Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He rose again and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. It would have sounded like that. No, not just, uh, I mean, understandable, right? You would have done the same thing. <laughs> then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, your servant Hears. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord 
came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. This is the word of God. Now, in case you haven't cottoned on, this is the source of our hymns chorus. Here I am, Lord, I have heard you calling in the night. Now, it seems to me that the most important takeaway from this scripture is how we respond to God's calling in our lives, or how we should. And it's summarized in these words. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Now, although hears is the original, uh, I prefer the translation in NIV, listening, for obvious reasons. Hear means you just hear, listen, hopefully hear and do something. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, if you forget everything about this sermon, this is the only thing you need to remember. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. By the way, you cannot say, speak, Lord, and not say your servant is listening. You cannot say, speak, Lord, but I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> Understood? Cannot be said like that, right? Yeah. Once you call him Lord, you've got to add the other part. This is the true response of a true servant of God to his callings in our lives. Whatever that may be, frontline or behind the lines support. So, for many of us, it is probably not the front line because you know the ratios are very great. <clears throat> but, and it probably involves behind the lines support. But it means we are also called just differently. And we too must respond to our behind-the-lines calling and duty and do our best to support the front lines in whatever way we can. That's the end of part one. Part two. Since we are talking about full-time Christian ministry, let's focus on this particular calling. Remember, it's different, not higher. Uh, Short digression. The current hymnal... I know this service doesn't use much of it. This is what the hymnal looks like. Yes. The current hymnal came out around 1990. And this hymn, Here I Am, Lord, when it first came out, was one of the top ten favorites. Very popular. So, in the early 1990s, when we first used it in track churches, I was struck by the notion that when people sang the chorus, especially, I wondered if they understood its implications. For example, we all sing, Take my life and let it be. Take my silver and I, my gold. Not a mite would I behold. Well, if God took you seriously, all of you would be in trouble, right? You chuckle. Wait. <laughs> okay. I wondered if they really sang it sincerely. Particularly those who actually felt God was calling them to full-time ministry. So, since I firmly believe that God does not listen so much to our voice, the physical sound, as He does to our hearts, what do we actually mean? Um, He listens to what we mean rather than what we sing or say. 
For example, if someone is praying or saying something and we say, Amen, with all the rest, Amen, but in our hearts we say, you've got to be kidding. What do you think God hears? You've got to be kidding. That's right. Now you get what I mean. Um, so, I wrote an alternative version of the chorus, a parody if you'd like, uh, that sought to portray what we might actually be meaning even as we sang the words of the hymn. Uh, instead of, here I am Lord, is it me Lord? Lord, I heard you calling in the night. I will go Lord, if you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. So, uh, somewhere early 1990s I wrote, I still have, 25 years ago, <laughs> I wrote this. I'm going to read it for you. Is that okay? God, is it me, Lord? Cannot be, Lord. Lord, I'm sure you've made a big mistake. Don't you know, Lord? Cannot go, Lord. Please, I beg of you. Give me a break. Are you sure, Lord? It's not her, Lord? Can't you see? I have so much to do. Pity me, Lord. Hear my plea, Lord. I'll try to go next time you ask me to. How to say, Lord, this I pray, Lord. Let me first do all I want me to do. Don't see why, Lord, choose that guy, Lord. Like the rest, you see, I'm so nyasu. Just this once, Lord, please give chance, Lord. Wait and see how my family will react. So how now, Lord? Hear my vow, Lord. Just don't want to go. And that's a fact. You think true or not? I don't know, huh? Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but for some, it could be what their heart is really singing. But the Bible says our response must be, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Just like in the hymn. You remember, you remember Mission Sunday, a few Sundays ago, Theresa Wilborn? Huh? I told her, you know, <laughs> your sermon uh, will determine what we collect for the second offering the next Sunday for MMS. So that panicked her a bit. But the offering was very good, so I think everyone's happy. She said that she was an LLP. I think I'll go with time. Digression. Ivan, what's an LP? LP. LP. Long playing record. Vinyl. Huh? He's old enough to know. LLB means what? It's Bachelor of Law. Law degree. But what is LLP? Well, the first sermon I ever preached at this church was entitled NNP. Huh? You remember? Oh, okay, I thought no one would remember. Um, this was the virtues of serving God anonymously. I thought no one else would remember, but I know one person who will not forget. Because he asked me after the sermon, how come you talk about me? <laughs> you know who this person is? I give you a clue, I won't him name him. He's quite famous. He always speaks. He says, frankly speaking, and humbly speaking. 
If you know, you know. You don't know, never mind. Anyway, coming back to LLP. LLP means least likely person. Least likely person. And that's what Theresa Wilborn said that she is. A least likely person. So I called her and asked her, can you send me your testimony of full-time calling? And she was kind enough to do so. So I received it and I did a bit of editing only. I was going to read only excerpts, but it's too good not to read almost the whole thing verbatim. That means in first person, in her, as if she is speaking. So just please uh, listen. This is what she says. Uh, Theresa Wilborn says, I grew up in the church and traveled as a teenager with a Christian youth group across the U.S. and Central America, witnessing through song and testimony. Then came university and after graduation, a job in corporate telecommunications. I love the challenge of working in a dynamic industry. With, and with each, but with each passing year, I spend a lot more energy and time in meetings and negotiating deals than I did with God. It wasn't as though I stopped believing in him. I just stopped relying on him. It seemed a lot faster to make decisions on my own. 1994, I moved to Hong Kong with AT&T Asia Pacific. If you don't know AT&T, I think it's like Singtel USA. Eh? Uh, responsible for teens in six countries, I was traveling more days than I was at home. After six years in Hong Kong, the company asked me to relocate to Singapore to head up the network operations division. The new millennium brought not only changes in my career, but in my personal life as well. Not long after we settled in Sing into Singapore, my husband went back to the U.S. to care for his widowed father who was diagnosed with cancer. Weeks turned into months apart. Then on September 11, 2001, we just uh, sort of observed the anniversary, terrorists struck the Twin Towers in New York. It's hard to explain, but it was as if the bombs had detonated in my own life. Although I didn't lose a loved one, the experience was emotionally devastating. For me and many others, it was a life-altering event. Here I was in Singapore with no family, no close friends, no emotional support. Nothing felt safe and secure anymore. And for the first time in a very long time, I realized that being in control of myself and the things around me was nothing more than an illusion I had created. Thus began my spiritual journey back home. I prayed and waited, shed lots of tears and kept on praying. I prayed for God to lead me to a community of believers where I could feel a sense of belonging and he led me to Aldersgate Methodist Church. I asked him to lead me to a Bible study group and not long afterward the church started disciple classes. It was an opportunity to dig deeper into the word and make friends. And finally, I asked God to enlarge my tent as Jabez did. Corporate management had been my life for so long, I didn't have a clue how God could use me. So I prayed this simple prayer over and over. Sometimes I tell people to be careful what you pray for. God will answer. And this answer may not exact, be exactly what you expected. I began sensing that the Lord was speaking to me about Cambodia. Although I had never visited the country, I was deeply moved reading about women and children who were victims of human trafficking. 2003, AT&T was restructured and was faced with a choice, stay with the company and return to the U.S. or take an early retirement. I gave it serious thought for 90 seconds. Knowing this was God's answer to my prayers, I left and never looked back. The pastors at Aldersgate affirmed my calling and to support 
calling to support the church's work in Cambodia, and I made my first trip there the same month I retired. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be doing missions in some remote Cambodian village. But there I was, and I knew it was where God wanted me to be. I don't want to give you the idea that everything fell neatly into place and my path was clearly illuminated. It wasn't that way for me, and it's not that way for most of us. It's not easy, especially for those of us with a need to be in control. It means waiting for God's timing instead of following our own schedules. It means willing to hear His plans for us rather than pursuing our own ideas. In corporate I had a 12-month plan, 3-year plan, 5-year plan. My goals and objectives were clear and measurable. Suddenly, I found myself without a definite plan for the rest of the day, let alone the rest of the week. Coming from a secular business background, I felt I had to be the least likely person to be a missionary. I had no training as a teacher or experience as a preacher. I couldn't even play a musical instrument. I had no idea what possible value I could be on the mission field. But here's the thing. God has given every one of us unique skills and life experiences that can be put to use in expanding His kingdom. We should not make excuses like, I'm scared, I'm not qualified, or I'm too old or too young. Because every one of us has the promise of power that goes with us and ahead of us. That's what she shared with me. So, because she was so willing, I asked her for something very sensitive. Age timeline. I hear for women, it's a sensitive issue. But she was very kind enough to oblige. So, this is her age timeline. Went to TTC full-time, age 54. Graduated, 57. Joined MMS. Ordained as diaconal minister, 59. How old is she now? 66. She actually been officially retired in the Methodist system, but she has been re-engaged, just like our, frankly speaking. He's retired officially, but he's been re-engaged twice. Oh, I put Lobang who it was, huh? Ah, so sorry. Oh, dear. Sometimes you can innocently do deliberate things. Yeah, don't laugh too much. Here's the serious part. In Theresa Wilborn, you can see in the flesh, in real life, what Speak Lord, your servant is listening, looks like. What about us? I'm, digre- I'm digressing from my script just so far. There are a lot of young people in our 10.30. That's why I just digress a bit. I know some of us are older, and we are the ones saying, I'm too old. I wouldn't say that if I were you. But the younger people... What about you? Recap, God calls all of us, many kinds of callings, some front line, many of us support, or behind the lines. Most of us will be behind the lines. It's important to respond properly to those callings as well. Provide support for the front line. However, some of us are called to front line, and it is important for us, just if not more important for us, to respond accordingly to our calling. Would you? 
Um, we're going to close with the hymn, the last two verses. Mayera, I know you want to sing, but. Okay. <laughs> Um, when we sing those two, and Hub will be singing on their own, just asking you to consider, what will your heart sing? What will your heart sing? Is it me? Cannot be? Not give chance? Hear my plea? Or, here I am. Is it I? I will go if you lead me. Why? Because if we love God, we love people, we will answer our callings. This is who we are. This is what we do. I'm going to pray in a while. I'm going to pray like a person who is willing to answer God's call. If you feel like that in your heart, please pray as well. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here I am, ready to answer all the callings that you have given. Don't know where, how or when, but I can say I am willing. Whatever it is, you may call me to. Whether front line or behind the line support. But especially if it's front line, I pray that you make it clearer. You make it... You give me the grace to be able to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen.